morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show where we talk a little bit about yesterday's slate. Maybe talk a little bit about today's slate. Maybe we'll, we'll, we may do something slightly different. We'll be talking about a slate, but maybe not today's baseball slate. Uh, and, and I answer your strategy questions on DFS. Anything you want. It's casual Friday. Casual Friday. Hit that thumbs up button. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Suki Singh, Frederick Dude, J10, Jesse, SL, Hog Lawrence, Doug Montgomery, Dave Evans, Joe Mack, 0058. Good morning. Hit the thumbs up button. You know what to do. I got my apple juice. Hit the thumbs up button. Thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got NBA Grinders Live later. MLB Grinders Live. I think, is it NBA like done? Aren't we done after this week? I mean, obviously the playoffs, but are we, are we finally done with uh, creative players starting and people saying that they're going to play and then don't play? That's what I heard yesterday. Some people on the Raptors were supposed to play and then they didn't play and then the Pacers got injured or I don't know. That's... I just I just look at my Twitter stream and see everyone tilting. I haven't played NBA in a month and a half, right? I ain't dealing with it. I'll play baseball, right? Play MLB like I did yesterday. Uh, did well on FanDuel. I was was close. Ended up coming in eleventh in their big GPP on FanDuel uh, with a weird Tampa Bay slash Cleveland stack. I mean, the basically the story of yesterday was uh, uh, Cincinnati didn't get there. Right, Jonathan India got there, but we had Senzel who got injured. Uh, then Mustakis got got taken out of the game. Chichi Rodriguez p- pitched seven innings of like one run baseball, which is what we didn't expect. Uh, Rich Hill apparently just turned into the turned into Cy Young for a game. Uh, the Yankees apparently can't hit curveballs, and Luis Castillo just gets shelled again. Just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Right? He should be should be the best pitcher on the slate. No, doesn't matter. No, Luis Castillo just shelled, completely shelled. Zach Plezak, uh puts up uh, the lowest amount of points for having, like, one of the best real-life games. Right? 19 points. Right? He was taking a, a no-hitter into the, into the eighth inning. But, he, I mean, he only had, like, one or two strikeouts. So, it doesn't get you as many points as you think. But, basically, if you... If you didn't play, I mean, look, look, look at look at how much ownership was in duds. Forty-one percent Mustakis, thirty-nine percent Winker, thirty-nine percent Suarez, thirty-seven percent Senzel, thirty percent Castellanos, who got twelve, but that's not necessary. Twenty-six percent Barnhart. If you were over on the Reds yesterday, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, the Colts, yeah, he had plenty. BK Reader had plenty, but a, a, most most didn't. Ending not meant much. Whistles go woo was under. Need lunch money way under. Neil eh, about about equal under on Castellanos because he was expensive. You had to find a way to get different, especially with pitching yesterday. Pitching, I mean, you could fit in the Reds, right? People played Logan Gilbert. I mean, he got eight points. I mean, he got, he he got hit up by the Indians, but he also got five strikeouts. Manaya got crushed by the Red Sox. So, I mean, there weren't that many pitching points to have, like Trevor Rogers, Tyon got you 15, Javier got you 18, Please, that got you 19, Rich Hill 32, sure. Garrett Richards apparently magically has a good game. So it really wasn't made up by the pitchers. I mean, you could have won with 
any kind, as long as they didn't go negative, right? As long as you didn't have Castillo or Manaya or Fulty or something like that. I mean, you probably could have even won with Logan Gilbert's eight because he was only 4K, maybe. The problem is that you're spending down on Logan Gilbert so you could spend up on Coors Bats, on the Reds, who didn't get there. But really, it was Boston, Boston, Colorado. If you had a Boston, Colorado combination, that's really what got you there. If we take a look at the winning lineup, single bullet, single bullet winning lineup. Boston, 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 Boston. Four-man Boston, two Colorado, Jose Ramirez and Jonathan India. A four, two, one, one, whatever. With Javier and Hill. And there you go. Right, Connor Joe, he had a game. Right, didn't even have Fuentes, and Fuentes had a game. Let's take a look at next lineup. Bogarts, Martinez, Rosa. Here's the here's the Rays. Right. Didn't even need Colorado. Please Zach Richards. You got three man, three, it's a three, three, it's a whole it's a mess. Let's take a take a the Utah. One, two, three, four, five, five, two, one. So you got Colorado, you got Rosarina and Meadows, Tapia, and it's Suarez. Okay. Suarez is zero. He still almost got there with Javier and Plezak with the two chalk pitchers. 1-800-Eddie. Similar. This is a 5-3 Colorado-Boston stack. Bogarts, Chavez. You got Fuentes in there. Daza. This almost got there. Rogers, Javier. Not like, not, no Rich Hill, right? Any Rich Hill here? No, no Rich Hill there. Any Rich Hill? Anyone had Hill? Tyon, there's Tyon on DK. I mean, on on, on, on FanDuel, Rich Hill was like 2% owned. So here we go. Here's a Rich Hill, 6%. Single bullet. Mess of a lineup. Just messy, right? Messy because it's like, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's just two and two and one and who knows? As long as you got the home runs, right? Bogarts, Martinez, Meadows, Calhoun. Most of his infield just didn't didn't get there, and I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, how, how do you how do you fade Cincinnati? They had a six plus run total against Chichi Gonzalez. It's also a six game slate. So look at look look at this ownership. 41, 39, 37. 30. Why are you playing five man stacks of Cincinnati? I mean, you could get different elsewhere, but my attitude is like I played on FanDuel. Bandit was slightly different, but on DraftKings, five man I would have just X'd out five man stacks of, of Cincinnati. At this ownership, this is ridiculous. On FanDuel, I was under, and I was I was barely, I was barely playing four uh, four man stacks of Cincinnati on FanDuel. So I think the ownership on FanDuel was lower than this. And on FanDuel, you could you could, I, I I mean, because DraftKings, they priced them down a little too much. Like, obviously, Winker and Castellanos were pr- appropriately priced on DraftKings. But Mustakis and Suarez and Senzel, like Barnhart, they priced out uh, 4100 or something. Okay. But it's really the, these two, Mustakis, Suarez, and Senzel, that allowed you to just, okay, oh, I could get Castellanos. I could get, I mean, who are you paying for? Plezak was cheap enough. Like, Javier on DraftKings was 10 k Was that needed? No. People took a shot in Castillo. That's 16.8%. You heard me on the Morning Grind podcast. I'm like, if he's going to be 3%, I want a lot of them. 
I actually, I, I think I literally said, if he's going to be 16%, he's like, eh. Like, eh. Take a shot. Maybe. Efficiently owned. Right? So I think he was, I think he was efficiently owned at 16%. But we see a lot of sharp players that went over, went over and got crushed. <laughs> Even Colorado. Colorado was owned because they were there. They're in Colorado. Right? Let's take a look. Not much Yankees. I think the Yankees came in under-owned. I mean, they didn't do anything, but I think they, I mean, staying under 10% on a six-game slate against a lefty. I had a lot of A's, right? Look at the A's, 6%, 6%. I mean, I had the A's on FanDuel, but they were about that owned on FanDuel. Seth Brown, 4%. Lowry, 4%. Against Garrett Richards, of all pictures. I mean, the Rays were, look, I mean, look, Rosarina was 2%. Meadows was 3% against Tyon. It's not like, oh, he's an ace or anything. There are ways to get different. I mean, if you just don't jam in all the, all the reds, you could find these stacks. I don't know why people get so scared. Oh, but what happens if Cincinnati puts up 14 runs? Well, then you'll lose. Is... is is yesterday the last day ever of DFS? If I don't win today, there could never be any DFS ever. No. So don't play the red X amount. Oh, that's risky. So and you lose and you move on to the next day. That was the most legitimate shot you could get at first place. If you wanted to literally X out the Reds. Now, what I'm saying is you don't even have to do that. Just don't play them as a stack. Play them as one-offs. Play them as two-offs, even. In a 5-2-1 or something like that. If you if you went into yesterday, like, I'm building 20 lineups and 10 of them are Cincinnati five-mans. Do you really want to win first place? Yeah, but I'm playing I'm playing a one-off of Mark Canna and like who cares? You're gonna be tied with so many people with these stacks. I and mean, look at this ownership. This is over what we projected. I think it is a little bit over. Wicker wasn't cheap. He's 39% owned. Cassiano was 6K, he's 30% owned. Look at a Rosarina's 2%. Right, we have actual hitters, we're not talking about bad players down here. Right, we're not we're not talking about playing, you know, you know, by and Bobby Dalbeck hit a home run, but I mean, that, that's a big difference. They're not playing Jonathan Arouse or whoever the hell that is, right? For the Red Sox batting ninth, Rosarina, Margot, David Dahl, Kyle Seeger against Plezak, Meadows, Devers, lefty, lefty. Three percent. Brandon Lowe, Garcia. I mean, these are real players. Dribble Cabrera, four percent. Brian Anderson, four percent. I mean, we're not talking about bad players. That look how low owned they are for a six-game slate. Matt Chapman's five percent. Right. Matt Chapman's five percent. Eugenio Suarez is thirty-nine percent. And it could happen. Look what happened yesterday. Cincinnati. 
<clears throat> Sorry. I don't pick the right days. Sometimes people say that to me. I do that sometimes, but then when I fade them, then they go off. It's like, don't remember those. Who cares? Who cares what happened in the past? <clears throat> At this ownership, you should be doing it every time. Yes, and most of the time you'll be wrong and you'll lose and that's it. But when you're right, you have a sh- shot at first. People look at my FanDuel lineup and you go, Tampa Bay, Cleveland lineup? What made you build that? Well, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Cincinnati lineup. That's all I cared about. As long as it wasn't a Cincinnati lineup, who cares what, what teams I'm meshing together? That lineup had Cleveland, Cleveland, uh, Tampa Bay, and Xander Bogarts as a one-off in the shortstop spot. So yeah, that, that and Javier up top. But it had a Rosarina and Lowe and Meadows, and it had Jose Ramirez, Fran Mil Reyes. I mean, what made you play Fran Mil Reyes? Well, it fits in the lineup. And it's not, it's not the, the thing about those lineups, they're not Cincinnati lineups. That's it. That's what I did yesterday. I play I played every stack on FanDuel other than C- Seattle. I played a hundred lineups. Now I played more of Oakland. And Houston, a little bit more on Houston and, and a lot more in Miami. We didn't get there, but I played, you know, four or five lineups with Tampa, Cleveland, you know, some of the other teams. But my goal was I was, I was just under on Cincinnati and it's a six game slate and I'm playing a lot of Plezac. So I'm probably not going to play Seattle and they don't project well anyway. And it's FanDuel. It's a one-pitcher site, so I don't have to roster two pitchers. So there you go. So what do I do? So I'll just give me lineups that don't have the Cincinnati in them. Sometimes that's the strategy. What is everyone else doing? Just make lineups that, that they're not. Jesse Atfield, is there a slate size threshold on DK where you start to consider playing both opposing pitchers? Or is losing the win equity not worth it? You can't, it depends on their price. Jacob DeGrom versus Garrett Cole, and they're both 3000 Yeah, you play both. I mean, it's more of the price. The chances of them getting a win on most slates is like 40% for either pitcher anyway. So you combine that together. It's like the negative correlation is like a point, a point and a half. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not huge, but it's still worth, it's still worth considering. Okay, let's get back to the questions in the YouTube chat. Uh, let's see, people talking about Oakland pitching. Casual Friday question. Do you see Wade Miley getting 12 strikeouts tonight? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Isn't he pitching? They're pitching in Colorado, right? I barely looked at today's slate, okay? Uh, well, we have, what, Scherzer on the slate. We have we have some some ace pitchers, Kershaw. Glasnow, I think. Wade Miley getting 12 strikeouts? Probably not. J10, if you take yesterday's slate at the context, what lineup stack would have made sense in a single-entry 700-person contest on DK? Anything but Cincinnati. That's the answer. Anything but Cincinnati. Pick anyone you want. I went with Oakland. I went with Houston. I mean, on FanDuel. Oakland, Houston, you played ball any, and it's, it's a six game slate. People, people think too hard into this. 
Every other team on the slate was under-owned. Every single one of them. Every one of them. Cincinnati was way over-owned. So if you played any other team but Cincinnati, you, 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 you were correct. Based on, based on especially this ownership on DK. That's all you could judge it by. You're just judging by the ownership. I take a look at this ownership. I take away pitchers. I mean, look at this. This is just insane. One, two, three, four, five, six. Twenty-six percent and above. So if you made a stack of any of the the combination of these, like it was like a at least a quarter of the contest on one team. The next looked like to be the Astros. Alvarez, Tucker, Bregman, Altuve. So Houston would have been a little bit below them, but everything else is just like, dude, play anyone you want at that point. I mean, look at this ownership. This is ridiculous. I don't care what the total was. I don't care Chichi Rodriguez or whoever, Chichi Gonzalez, the old golfer, Chichi Rodriguez was pitching. I'm just, I'm a five-man stack. Get out of here. Done. Maybe you play a three-man, right? You played a contrarian raise stack and you wanted to play three reds with it. Go for it. Have fun. At this ownership on DraftKings, I can't see a five-man, any five-man stack lineup really to be plus EV. I I can't. How is that possible? I mean, unless you're really mixing in some really, I guess maybe with the three-man raise. Right, if you had a Rosarina, Meadows, something, did something like that. But, I mean, how do you have that on DraftKings? Because you have to fit two guys in the outfield for the Cincinnati stack. But obviously, if you use Jonathan India in your stack, okay. Now, they came down a little. Uh, this ownership, I just like, if I if I would have known this, I mean, I didn't play on DraftKings. But if, if this was the ownership on FanDuel, I would have played way less of the, less of the Reds. I did play the Reds, but I was like, I was I, more than half the field under the Reds. And mostly as one, as one-offs and dream and, you know, secondary stacks, not as a four-man. I, 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 I wasn't going to play uh, on FanDuel a, a Moustakis, Suarez, Senzel, Castellanos type of lineup. So that's the answer. Sometimes the answer is what, what you don't do. And if you did anything else other than that, that's fine with me. Michael Dompier, RG estimated Castillo at 8%, I think. I know you don't have the access to the hamster wheel, but thoughts on why it ended up closer to 20%. The bat loved Castillo. Does it have that much pull? Not, well, how about around the industry? Not just the bat. It's not just, a, you have to understand that Roto Grinder is just a small part of a much bigger industry. No one place is that much pull. But you can see here, I mean, I know, I mean, look, we go to pitcher. I mean, some of these guys have their own models, right? BK Reader, need lunch money, Uticao. Uticao, 39% Castillo. I mean, they have their own models. And they're getting Castillo. So it's not just, it's not just, you know, the Plague IQ projections or the bat or some other site or something. He's 6,200 and he's the, if you took the largest sample size of his career, he's the, the past three years, he's the most talented pitcher on the slate. 
going up against the Rockies without Story in their lineup, without Hampson in their lineup. I mean, the Rockies lineup look horrible. Yeah, it's in core, sure. But Castillo was 6,200. So yeah, so people people jumped on board. At 20%, I think that that's like an efficient ownership. If everyone thought he, would, he was going to be 8% owned, maybe that's why they jumped on board, right? Sometimes that has an effect on things. Nate Branshaw says, I was playing lots of Cleveland in sing, single entry last night and completely fading the cores. Condensed ownership in those contests creates an easier path to first if cores fails. Thank you. That's exactly the point that I'm making. Especially in single entry, but even more owned. Right, in single entry yesterday, I would, I would, just, I would have literally X'd out the Reds. Just X them out completely. Not even as one-offs, just done. And then build whatever lineup you want at that point. You, you just, you hope they don't get there. And that's it. If they don't get there, there, how many paths are there to win first? Tons. Any of the other teams. I mean, like, you're destroying like half the lineups in the contest to some extent. So at that point, like, build whatever lineup you want. You, you have a feeling, you, you know, your nose twitches for the Red Sox. Oh, God, you play them. On these type of slates where there's so much condensed ownership in one team, one game, it really comes down to does that game, does that game get there or does it fail? And I always bet on the fail, right? That's I always bet on the fail. Jacob Calloway, is whistles goes woo, fully mathematical approach to address the correlation coefficient of every player more correct? Well, he does the same thing as, as anyone else. If you heard David Bergman, the whistles go woo guy, like, like he, he doesn't make his own projections. He aggregates projections. But he uses an optimization method that I'm assuming takes into account uh, correlation between players. But it's not that much different than you building lineups in an optimizer. I mean, it's 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 not that much different. You're stacking four, you're stacking five. I mean, in baseball, it's not going to... It's not going to be much different because it's it's not like bad. It's basketball. It's hard to judge. Baseball. It's like the ball. Obviously, plays from one game and a plays from another game are not correlated at all. Maybe it's more useful for NFL. But yeah, that's one. That's one thing that most optimizers do not take into account. The actual the actual correlation the the actual the R's of the players between each other that bump up their projection depending on who else is in the lineup. That's one thing that most optimizers do not do yet. And you have to be accurate on that. I mean, you need a large sample size for that stuff also. Is that the future of DFS? It's the current of DFS. When we try to stack, when we, I, I'm going to stack 5X or 4-3. I mean, we're doing that anyway. It's just not, it's not reflected in the projection when we do so. So I don't know if it's any different. It's just a little bit more accurate, maybe. Right, the car fan says it right here. Whistles is automating what I do manually. Right, exactly. Most of what I do is manual. My, my, my If you see, if you saw yesterday when I build my lineups, I, I don't have, I have no proprietary process of like determining leverage in a lineup. Like that type, oh, do you have a number? Do you have a, no, I eyeball it. 
right? When I'm separating two truck pitchers, I'm no, I know I'm reducing ownership. I know that I can play some of this truck, but some of that truck and put them all together. Now, can I make, can I, can I do that in Excel? Can I, can I, if I learn Python, can I start making, you know, simulations and doing all, yeah, sure. I'm probably going to end up about the same. So I'm kind of doing stuff by concept, manually, eyeballing it. Now, someone like Brian Hooper, Brick 75, like he's much more exact. But we're essentially doing the same thing. Over a very long sample size, if it was head-to-head between me and him, he'll probably beat, he'll beat me. He's more accurate. But my lineups are directionally correct, are directionally in the right direction, right? It's not about being precise. It's about being directionally correct. So what I do, what I show you is the concepts, you could build this all into a mathematical formula. You could have it all spit out and you could do, you could, you could automate it to some extent. You could run, you could run background processes. You could do all this type of stuff you want. But if going through all of that and develop, obviously when you have a process like that, if you're not sure what you're doing, garbage in, garbage out, right? Oh, I'm going to run this all. Oh, it, it says this. Well, maybe my whole process is wrong. And how how will I know that? Well, it's going to take me a long sample size to realize that I'm I've been screwing something up in my model, right? Something up in my Sims. When I'm eyeballing it, yeah, I'm I'm not, I may not be as as accurate, as precise. But most of the time, I take a look. I take a look at the results DB, and I take a line take a look at lineups that sharp players are playing. And a lot of times, I'm I'm playing similar type of lineups. So directionally, I'm fine. So learning how to do that, use the concepts and use use just your eyeballs. Once you're good at that, then obviously you can you can you can start automating more. Right? I mean, me building lineups in 10 minutes didn't just come out of the blue. I've been playing for almost six years now. Woo Woo J Train says almost rode the Indians and Marlins to victory last night. Completely X'd out cores entirely. Okay, when ownership is that crazy on offense, it's immediate fade to me in single entry GPPs. Yeah, that I, I like I said, I that's what I would have done. That's exactly what I would have done. Maybe not all cores. The Rockies were, were it's not like they were that owned. Okay, so what what did I want to talk about today? What would we have? This we just went over this slate. I wanted to talk about MMA. Okay. We got a baseball game slate coming up later. We got grinders live. We got all that type of stuff, but we got a big uh, MMA slate. So, and and I see in, in our MMA channel, I was in there like last last. Uh, I'm 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 in there anyway. But I mean, when when COVID hit and MMA like UFC was the only thing that was going on, it was it was it was popping in the MMA Discord on Roto Grinders. Uh, so many people were asking stupid questions, just about stacking fights or whatever. Or just how to build GPP lineups for like large field contests. And I think this card coming up tomorrow is is a is a beautiful example of we're gonna see. I'm gonna download CSVs and see tons of lineups that are that are bad. And it's like how do you, how do you have a bad lineup when there's there's, there's only 24 <laughs> fighters to choose from. 24. This, wasn't there a fight canceled? Right. Should they, should they be in there? 
Do we get a new one? Why does it say 26? We don't have 13 fights tomorrow, right? Or did I miscount it? I have no idea. Who am I missing? Soriano, Gago, whatever. Do we have 13 fights? Two to t- Who am I missing on my sheet? I don't know. Souza. I got Souza Moonies. Did something get added? Why does it say 26? Or am I I'm just not counting? Does it say 26? Because we have two that are missing. That are unprojected. Okay. Okay. Now, now I understand. It. It's like all 26. It was bugging the hell out of me. Did we get a new fight? I have no idea. So an MMA. MMA is, if you want, if you want to dabble and not have to know anything about a sport, like MMA is, MMA is, is what you play. Because <laughs> you don't need to know anything. You really don't. You don't, I mean, it'll help a little. You don't need to know that much. But the key, if you're playing large field GPPs, is like it's 200,000 to first. You want to, you want to be as unique as possible. As people are like, oh, I just want the winning lineup. I don't care if it's split 157 ways. You're going to lose money in the long run that way. Even though, oh, I win once, I got uh, $1,800. Oh, it's better than winning nothing. Yeah, but if we replayed this slate out 10,000 times, you'd be losing money. You'd be losing, losing money. So an MMA, just to show you, just a little, little, little primer. We have MMA content. You sign up to Roto-Grinders Premium, hit the link in the description, get $10 off your first month for a combo premium. We got Mike, what, H3 Buddha, got Sean. They do the projections. They do They do a podcast. They do the write-up. I know uh, Squirrel Patrol does does the, for, for, the, for the pay-per-views. He does a contrarian take. Pretty much if you do whatever whatever Squirrel Patrol does, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's not because it's not that hard to, to, to know what, what the contrarian angle is. So the first thing that I do is I, I have a I have a I have a Excel spreadsheet. Okay. So this is where I put in the odds. And I got the I got these odds from DraftKings Sportsbook, which is not the greatest place to get the odds, but whatever. I wanted a retail book, not a not 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 pinnacle or anything. Uh, so I put in the odds, and I already have a calculation that it gives me the win probability, right? The implied odds probability. You could just convert it over. The win odds, the inside the distant odds on the fighter, the round one, you know, it finishes within the first round in the fighter, and then I have these leverage calculations. With ownership. Now we just got ownership in. I uh, just see right here. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put these in. So like like Gina Mazzani, like 30% is gonna give me these scores. 27, 27, 36 for Giagos, just to show you what this looks like. 42, our current ownership projections, 22. 39, 31, 38, 35, 20. Am I getting this right? Locks is 20, right? Okay, I'm on, I'm on the right. 26, 29, 30. Take a second. 29, 30, 19 for banana. 19, 20, 17. 
25, 19, 40. Right, Chandler's going to be 40, 10, 12, 15, 10, and 7. Okay, so there we go for that. Let me bring this back up. Okay. Because really what I'm judging here, like in a vacuum, uh, he's uh, Lucas Ionesco is asking about the last three columns. How am I? All I'm doing is dividing uh, the whatever the odds are by the ownership. That's all I'm doing. The actual number doesn't matter. It's just the number in relation to one another's, right? So it's, it's, it's not a fancy formula or anything. It's the win odds, 67% divided by the ownership, right? 2.22, right? That, that's it. Uh, when fighters are, just a g- general note, when fighters are more expensive, they need to score more points. Ah, okay. That, I mean, just like any other DFS sport. So most likely, fighters that are in the 9,000 and above range have to win fast. They have to score 100 plus. Fighters in the low range, they don't have to. They could just win their fight, have 70 points, and still be in the optimal lineup, the optimal first place lineup. So that's why towards the top, I care more about round one leverage. In the middle, inside the distance leverage, and then on the bottom, just winning. So we could see here with the, like, Cachoeira. I mean, look, she if she's going to be 7% owned and have a 39% chance of winning based on her odds, like, she's way under-owned. Is she going to score well? That's a different story. So we see here, based on the win odds, these, these women's fights are way tilted too too heavily in the favorites direction. So we can see here in with Maz Mazani, Shevchenko, Chikuji, Chukajian. 22%, 27%, especially at these prices with very poor inside the distance. 515, 325, 650. That's the first thing that stands out to me. Same for Bontarin over here. That's why I make these colors. I just see what stands out. Right, Bontarin seems like his inside for his inside the distance line is twenty seven percent, and he's going to be twelve percent owned. That seems under owned. If these if these ownerships are accurate, obviously I will, I'll update them later. I don't know. These are initial ownership. Let's see. Right, say Arajo. Right, I mean it's just, it just seems like. Seems like these women, these favorite women are, are being over-owned, and these are way under-owned. Then we take a look here, like inside the distance here on Oliviera. Like on the main event fights, uh, you can't even look at these numbers because the five-round fight with all the scoring. So you have to you have to look a little bit differently. You don't care necessarily, like inside the distance in five round depends on what round it is, how well they score. I mean, they're gonna be owned. Oliviera and, and Chandler are gonna be owned. But taking a look at this, it's like Chukagian looks like, like awful. Good win odds, right? But I mean, 8,800. Schnell looks awful. If he's going to be 42% owned at 8,900. 42% owned, 14% probability for a first round win. 
27% probability of inside the distance and 61% probability of a win. So that like inside the 8,900, you're going to need to get a finish pretty much, right? Can he score a lot as a wrestler? I don't know. So that's why you look at this. That's why I look, you know, just get a sense of what the slate is. But when building lineups, this is what many people do. Let's 20. A lot of people do 20 maxes, okay? So we'll do 20. This is what a lot of people do. They'll take the median lineups, the median projections, right? This, this is what they'll do. They're going to build rules. They won't set anything, right? They'll they'll set the, uh, it doesn't even matter what it is, right? They'll set it to like 49.5 maybe, right? They'll do that, 49.5. Uh, one unique player, so it won't even you won't even have much diversification in your lineups. And they'll do something like uh, make sure to have uh, the main event, right? Right, they'll do something like this: a one-one, and they go, "Give me lineups." They get one hundred percent Andrea Lee, right? Because he shouldn't she shouldn't be that price against. It's not. It's it's not. It's. It's not the it's not the it's not the right Shevchenko. This is Antonina Shevchenko. Right? So you take a look and they'll get a bunch of these. And, oh, I don't want all this Lee, right? I don't want all this Maz- Mazani, right? I don't want all the women, right? I don't want I'm a sexist. Not just sexist. A lot of times the women's fights are not as scoring friendly, but they're a little bit more so now. Like uh Lucas says, women fights mad, but as the new scoring helped their scores, maybe a little bit depending on how, how often they, they get to the ground. But if it's a stand and strike fight with two, like not, not the most active punchers, like it's just as much as any, like a men's fight like that. So, so whatever. But this is what most people will do. They'll just like, well, what, what guy, what, what player, what, what uh, fighters do I like? Right. I want a main event fighter. Uh, they'll go here, you know, they'll, well, I don't want I don't want that much Andrea Lee. I don't want the I don't want that much Mizani, right? To look something like that. Arajo. Right, they'll they'll run some lineups. We have tons of Shane Burgos now. Right, they'll get lineups like this. Which this isn't even that bad of a lineup. They'll simply build like this. 49 It's quite possible that all of the lineups that are on this screen right now, all of them, almost, um, maybe almost all of them, I will, won't have any of them. Like I will literally not, not, these lineups won't even be in my player pool. They won't, they won't even be my set. And I'm building 100 plus. And we just built 20. And I capped some, you know, whatever. And I don't think any of these lineups I'm play, I, I'd play. Like, I, I don't think any, I don't think any of these lineups are playable. I, I don't think even think they're play. I think they're all negative EV. Okay. But this is what people will do. They will put this in and they'll make these lineups. The problem comes in is that a lot of, the, most of, if not all of these lineups will be duplicated at least 20 times. At least 20 times. Even with a 9% fighter. Even with a 10% fighter. 
in here. 7% fighter. They'll still be duplicated over 20 times. It's 200000 at first. No, these, these lineups can't win $200,000. They can't even win $100,000. They can't even win $50,000. Okay? You know what I'm looking for? Okay. Especially based on the context of this slate coming up. I think there's a very, very interesting slate. Because that's why I wanted to show you the odd sheet. Okay. Let's go back to the player pool. Let's get rid of some of these settings. Okay. We take a look at the odd sheet. What do we notice? We notice that these favored women are over-owned based on these ownerships. Chukajian, Shevchenko, Mazzani. They also have poor ITD odds in comparison to other fighters in their ranges. I mean, they're cheaper. They're cheaper fighters. It's not like they're, like, Mazzani is minus 200. Shevchenko's minus 129. He's 9,200. Why are they going to be 27% owned? I'm assuming that either that's wrong. I don't know. Based on the odds, they're over-owned and they're expensive. So let's say we take out these three favored women. Okay? Let's say we take them out. I'm not saying I would play none of them, but let's just say we take them out. Now we have 9,100, 8,900. Look at how many fighters are in the mid-range here. And also we have fighters that on the bottom have a chance of winning that are under-owned, obviously these women's fighters, but also like Bontarin. But inside the distance, like pretty good numbers, even like Ferguson at 19% owned, Barboza, 17% owned. So this, there are so many close fights on this card. I mean, no one, Giagos is minus 225. Minus 225 is just 69%, right? Most of these fights are 60-40s at best, at best. 60-40s with good inside the distance probabilities. Look at this picket right fight. Even Grundy, I mean, like a lot of these fights could go either way and the winner puts up a big score. So people are going to be playing nine high 8K, 9K guys or girls because it just fits. Who said you, who said you have to play them at all? Who said you have to play anyone over Oliveira? But if you use an optimizer, if people are going to build lineups, and what's, what's going to end up happening is they're, they're going to put in their last fighter and they're going to, they're going to put in Shane Burgos or something, and they're going to realize that, you know, they have 700 left on the table and go, well, why don't I just pay up for whoever, right? They just, that's the natural inclination. But I mean, I'm going to just go into lineup preview. Here's a, here's a valid lineup that doesn't sound nuts, right? Let's say I play Tucker Lutz at 8,300. I play Grundy against Veneta, right? I play Jordan Wright. 
I play Barbosa against against Burgos. Maybe a little bit chalky. Or Mo- I could that could have been Mooney's. It could have been whatever. Let's say I play Michael Chandler. And then I play Bontarin against Chanel. Okay. Is that a nutso lineup? Let me tell you. Is that a nutso lineup? I I'm playing three underdogs, but they're, they're barely dogs. I mean, like, like they're barely dogs. And I'm playing three. I'm playing no one higher than 8,300. I'm still playing a guy from the main event. That's not a that's not a nutso lineup. I'm leaving twenty eight hundred dollars on the table, and this is not a nutso lineup. This makes I mean this makes sense. There's not I'm not going crazy crazy, but it leaves twenty eight hundred dollars on the table. It spends forty seven two. How many people are building these lineups? How many people are putting a minimum salary on their on their on their build rules and not getting these lineups tons but on this slate now for the a lot of slates these favorites up towards the top are minus 300 minus 400 i get it or you get someone like marab or something you get you know high high volume grappling guys towards the top and i get it but on this slate specifically or any Diagos has a good win win odds up here, but it'll be thirty six percent owned in the projected ownership. Oliveira, sure, in the main event favorite, but I mean you could build so many lineups. I mean, look, the difference between Schnell is minus one fifty nine currently eighty nine hundred. That's sixty one percent. That means thirty nine percent of the time he loses. He's going to be forty two percent owned. Darius against Ferguson, right? He's he's minus one sixty five. That's still 38% of the time he loses. Souza, like Souza and Burgos are both going to be 38, 35% owned. Souza's a minus 115 favorite right now. It's 53%. Yeah, he's a decently decent inside the distance, sure. But should he be 38% owned? Like you can make so many lineups with just, if you take like, just cut off right here where Olivier, even you can play Oliviera, even in this lineup. Right? Let's say we do a lineup like this. Let's say we do, instead of playing Chandler, we play Oliviera. We play Oliviera, Pickett, Grundy, Barbosa, Moonies, and 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 one of the win. And then Ara and there you go, Arajo. Like, look, I'm leaving 2100 on the table. This is not perfectly valid lineup. Absolutely perfectly valid lineup that people, this could be unique. This could be duped two times, maybe. Because people aren't going to leave 2,000 on the table. People will leave 500 on the table, right? They'll do something like that. Ah, I'm going to get sneaky. I'm going to leave 300, 500. Now on many weeks, on most weeks, leaving 2,000 on the table, you're not going to get this dynamic. You're going to be playing a lot of dogs, like a lot of significant you know, they're only have a 30% chance of winning type of dogs. But on this slate specifically tomorrow, like it's quite, po- you, I mean, they, these dogs are barely dogs. I mean, they're, they're barely underdogs. Look at all the underdog fighters, which would be 8,100 and below. Minus 106, plus 100, minus 103, plus 114, minus 108. 
plus 135, plus 110, plus 115, plus 130, plus 176, plus 105, plus 155. These are not all of these fighters, 51, 50. They've the lowest, the lowest, the lowest is 36% chance to win. But look at these ownerships. 7, 10, 15, 12, 10, 19. I mean, 17. And all of them, if they, if some of them, if they win with their inside the distance probability, like they could be a hundred plus points first round type of score or something. But even on a decision, it says, you know, 80 points down here could still be a winner. So that's why I wanted to point that out. This is what I mean by, this is the game theory aspect of daily fantasy sports. I didn't talk about like the fight. Who What's Christos Giagos' fighting style? Or I've never heard of these people, most of them, right? Only from playing DFS. That's all I've heard about some of these people. That's that's about it. But I could see right here, just based just just based on the betting odds, that some of these some. I mean, how is Shevchenko going to be twenty seven percent owned? Or Chukagian, like she doesn't do anything. 22%. Like, I, she's the type of fighter where it's like, if she's 10%, maybe, maybe I'd take a shot. But 22%, I mean, maybe I don't even have her in any lineups at all. But that just creates so much opportunity to make these lineups that are right in the mid-range because the odds are so close to each other in most of these fights. And people aren't going to real people aren't going to realize that. And they go, I guess I'm playing Gina Mazzini. Like, Why? She's 9,300. I played slates with her on it. She shouldn't be 9,300 on any slate. Are people going to play Chanel? They're going to play Chanel and Giagos and Oliviera and Dariush and Susan, right? I mean, like, it's just, it's all this ownership here that's going to revolve around these fighters. But you could play like so much up the middle, leave a thousand on the table, be duplicate, either be unique or only duplicated under five times, which means you, you get it, you have a chance at fifty thousand plus when you split. And I think that's the way the game theory perspective. That's what you that's what you do based on these ownerships. You tell me it's different. You tell me some of these. You tell me Mazini or Shevchenko or Chukagian are down to like ten percent. Okay, now 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 that middle build is going to be a little bit more a little bit more but still most people are not going to leave i showed you a lineup that left 2800 on the table that wasn't nuts that wasn't like i'm taking i'm taking like six underdogs all the way at the bottom type of thing that leaves 2800 on the table these 9k fighters that may not put up 80 points in a win they'll have to get first round finishes now if they do great okay they do but you can build so many lineups. I mean, look, I could set my build rules. Let's say I set my build rules to 47.5 to 49,000. I'm not saying to constrain it to that much, but if I build 12 lineups like that, I mean, they don't, they're not nuts. It tries to spend it, but what it's going to continually do is try to spend up for Mazini, right? It's going to try to, it's going to give you all the Andrea Lee because she's underpriced based on the odds. So people are going to get stuck building these types of lineups. And it's like, no, you could go even further down. Do you, do you need Mazzini? No. Take out, take her out. Mazzani? I don't know how to pronounce her name. 
you start getting lineups where you're leaving like you're leaving a thousand on the table, and these lineups don't look they, they they're not crazy. I showed you a lineup leaving two thousand on the table that was not crazy, but people don't do it. But people don't want to do this. I'm telling you, that's you're you're aiming for first place by yourself. Remember, that's what you're doing. And if a lineup that spends fifty thousand dollars wins and is duplicated twenty seven times. You never were going to uh, screw it. Then you go on to next week. I just wanted to show how to build plus EV lineups for MMA, especially for tomorrow's slate. So if you're playing MMA tomorrow and you're playing the large GPP, the $25, you know, 200,000 in first place, maybe I shouldn't be telling you this because I want to build those types of lineups. That leaving money on the table, a lot of money on the table, is absolutely valid. It's probably the probably probably the highest EV approach. You're gonna win less often, but when you win, you're gonna win first place with by being unique. I mean, who's leaving that much money on the table? But that's the theory of DFS. That's what it is. That's what I teach here. A little MMA on the DFS pregame show. So it's not just the MLB DFS pregame show. It's the it's whatever. So you can pick up the theory of daily fantasy sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. 15-hour audio masterclass. I go over all, all the concepts like this are in there. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploit, psychology. Pick it up. Theoryofdfs.com. It applies to any sport. That's why I talked about MMA. So there you go. There's some MMA stuff. NBA, MLB, it doesn't matter. All these concepts, every sport, same thing. That's why you see, hey, the top DFS players, they seem to be good at every sport. Yeah, because they're they're good at game theory. They're good at statistics, probability, and the theory of games, decision-making. So go pick that up, theoryofdfs.com. And uh, just my luck, what's going to happen is that all these, these, these favored women, Matt Mazzani and Shevchenko, they, you know, first-round knockouts, right? That's... Right, first round submissions or something, and then hundred and five points. I mean, how are they going to score? How really? How is Chukagian going to score over a hundred points in a fight? How is Shevchenko going to score over a hundred points? In I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it happens, or maybe this ownership comes down. I was expecting the ownership to be just down, and maybe I take a shot. But now it looks like people are actually playing them. But I think it's primarily because you have the salary. That people are used to paying up for these for fighters, so they do it anyway. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We got a baseball slate coming up later tonight. MLB Grinders Live. I don't know. It's probably Dean and someone else. It's probably. I don't know. I didn't look at the schedule. We got Crunch Time Hybrid with Kevin Roth, Andy Means, someone else for baseball. I don't know. Cheese, maybe. Cards, possibly. I don't know. I should look at the schedule before saying this. But as for premium members, you can always pick up your premium membership. Click on the link in the description below. Get $10 off your first month. You get lineup HQ. You get everything, right? I'm in the Discord, right? You could always you could always mention me there. I answer questions there as well. So uh, so that, that's it. That's it for this week, right? Another week. We got ba- basketball's finally, finally done. Maybe, maybe the baseball, maybe the MLB contest start. Maybe they start jacking them up a little bit. 
maybe with the prize pools. Maybe, maybe we'll see. But uh, I'll I'll see you next week because I'm always here, always here for you guys, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.